today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week, I'm joined by CityCast Madison's Bianca Martin and Molly Stentz. We remember a Wisconsin trailblazer, Ada Deer. Madison lost two DIY music venues this summer. And welcome to the 353. It's Friday, August 18th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. Three podcasters all alike in selecting worthy headlines just north of Fair Verona, where we lay our scene. From news that breaks, the truth unwinds, where civic talks make civic minds more keen. From fourth lands of ramps and illegal swine is this, if you with patient ears attend, what here shall miss the great Friday roundup shall strive to mend. Man, that was a long walk on that one. Our players this week, CityCast host, (laughs) Bianca Martin. Hi, Bianca. Hello from the Hamlet. And the sheriff of this here podcast, it's Molly Stentz. Hey, hey, always up for a tale of illegal swine. Always. Molly, you're kicking us off this week because an incredibly iconic Wisconsinite passed away this week. Yes, Ada Deer. She was a trailblazer. She died at the age of 88 on Tuesday night. She had been in hospice for some time. She's one of the people, I think, in Madison and in Wisconsin who was a quiet champion, was someone who did so much and perhaps was not given her due, perhaps was not known as widely as she should have been. So Ada Deer was the first woman to head up the Bureau of Indian Affairs. She had worked in the Clinton era um, for President Clinton, who whose thing at the time was he wanted a cabinet that looked like America, um, and she was part of it. She was the first woman to serve as chairperson of the Menominee Nation, which was a huge deal. She helped write their constitution. Um, She helped secure federal recognition for the nation in Wisconsin, which is a huge deal because so much derives from that. She was also the first Native American woman to run for Congress in Wisconsin. So she paved the way. She opened so many doors. She took care of so many people. She got so much done in her life. Thought we should reflect on that for a moment. She was born in Kashina in 1935. Grew up on the Menominee Reservation. Lived in a log cabin near the Wolf River with no running water or electricity. But then became the first member of the tribe to graduate from UW-Madison. I mean, when people like this pass, you're you're reminded of time, right? You're reminded of like how much things have changed in the course of one generation, one person's lifetime. And also how much work is still left to be done. And she had a lot of ties to the Madison as well. Yes. So she ran the American Indian studies program at UW-Madison. She was the first member of her tribe of the Menominee to graduate, as we mentioned. She then went on to get a master's in social work, actually, from Columbia, also the first Native American to do that. So she lived her life as a social worker and really um, used that as a springboard to engage other people in civic life, in democratic life. And 
took that with her throughout her whole life. I feel like a better question would be, what didn't she do? (laughs) Yeah. Like, for real. (laughs) She didn't host monster truck rallies. I mean, I don't know that. I didn't fact check that. It could have happened. I'd like to see it to believe it. Yeah, I mean, just listening to that list, I wouldn't be shocked if she she was asked to do that. <laughs> I think she lived a long and rich life, and there are probably so many chapters that we don't even know about. These are just the ones we do. Um, you know, given that our podcast is so new, we, we didn't have the chance to speak with her um, before she left us, but many other people did. You know, she wrote a, a book. She was interviewed many times. And one in particular that I wanted to mention was she sat down with Shelly Pittman at WRT back in 2019. And I wanted to just hear from her in her own words. So let's take a listen to, to Ada Deer back in 2019. It would be great if the Treaties had not been broken. I'm not saying all of them were, but a significant number were. And so um, Indians, by every census that's taken, they're always at the bottom. We had the poorest group, and it's very sad to see because my brother, my late brother Robert said it was our land, and by that token, we should be adequately living, you know, Mm -hmm. living a good life. But that's not true. We're high on poverty and so on and so on. So there's still lots of work to do, but we have the basic infrastructure now. That was a brief excerpt of the conversation with Ada Deer from WRT back in 2019. So much that could be said about the life of Ada Deer. But one thing I'm wondering from y'all having grown up here, did you learn about Ada Deer in school? I didn't, and it's very upsetting. <laughs> and I grew up in a town that has a Ho-Chunk Nation, you know, located in Baraboo. And, you know, we don't we didn't learn much about any leaders from there. We And we did not learn about Ada Deer, despite what a trailblazer she was. I th- Well, she was, you know, I guess when I was in school, this wasn't history. She was actively making it. So I think that's part of it. But, um, <laughs> you know, she has a great quote when she was, I remember this at the time when maybe not at the time, but I remember hearing about it afterwards when she was running for Congress where, you know, the headline in the paper was me nominee, which she always wanted to say, which is sort of a pun on. She's clever. Menominee County, too. It's the only county that uh, Tommy Thompson didn't win uh, when he ran for governor one time. And I bet you it probably has a lot to do with her influence. Just listening to that clip, um, I could hear a little bit of the sort of quiet confidence and all I could think about is just the amount of courage that she had and just the idea of going up against the federal government, knowing what's been done in the past and currently in terms of your community, you know, policies that are obviously very destructive, but being willing to get into politics and government, really, the, the long-term work of, of fixing the social fissures and everything. Um, I saw a quote from her out in Washington saying, you don't have to collapse just because there's a federal law on your way. Change it. I just love these bad butt women out here just like, nah. <laughs> nope, it's not going to go down this way. And also just in such a 
a loving, caring way, like in a social work lens. Like I think social work is undervalued and it's just tremendously important. Yeah, in that it gave her that spirit of collaboration and leadership and 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 really engagement for rebuilding a nation. I mean, doing that work, you know, she said like, yeah, I could have just wrote the constitution and said, here we go, here's our new constitution. But that, that wasn't her style. That wasn't how she rolled. You know, she wanted people's voices to be part of the process. She wanted people to engage in it. And I think that was part of her legacy. She did that. So now we will remember her every year on her birthday, August 7th, which Governor Evers has proclaimed Ada Deer Day. So rest in power, Ada Deer. There are things afoot, changes are coming. <laughs> to our Hamlet. Uh, have you guys heard about the proposal for State Street and West Gorham, the big development? You mean it's not gonna be like a skate park hole in the ground? That was my secret hope, that hole in the ground was a half pipe, I don't know. That would be dope, and also driving past it during the construction for a long time. Uh, could have been a really cool Tony, Park, Tony Hawk sort of video game scape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's almost done, right? I mean, it's built. It's up. Maybe not all of it, but some of it. Yeah. So um, looking at a 10-story mixed-use building, um, that, uh, that would include a 500-person 80s, 90s retro-themed nightclub called the Roxy and two restaurants. The plan is to have like live shows Thursdays through Saturday and DJ sets outside of that. Who doesn't love that? People talking about nightlife, wanting places to dance. Okay, but why is it Roxy with two X's? I just need to ask. For the snaz. (laughs) (laughs) Asked and answered. (laughs) (laughs) This development kind of begs a question, though, of who is a nightclub like this for? Um, And there's a growing divide between music and creative folks, musicians and creative folks here in Madison and like what's available for them for performances. This may be as less apparent to those who are not in that scene, but there's a growing tension that's not widely discussed often because, well, it's kind of underground. <laughs> the plight of the emerging musician and creative in town, um, there really seems to be a divide between folks who have the means, who have, have more money. Uh, more clout and newer artists or, you know, people who are not looking to be necessarily highly commercially sought after, I guess. People are doing music for the love of music. And also musicians who do want to pave a path for themselves, getting on stages at big venues. But many of the big venues in town are now booked by Live Nation. And so it's like the people can get on, which is a small fraction and everyone else. Uh, What do you guys make of this uh, new major nightclub coming to State Street? And Are we excited about that? Like new shiny spaces? Well, I'm not opposed to it. Somebody uh, is going to go there. Uh, I guess I'm a little confused, (laughs) though, like what that has to do with the underground music scene, because isn't that kind of the cool part about it is that it's underground and that you don't want to be in a new development building? Yes. So what it has to do with the underground scene is that there were two major like do-it-yourself venues that closed this summer. There were two different like kind of music venues, one Truckers Atlas and then also Ford Living. And one was also a, like more of a skate park and a music venue and would do live shows. But they're like really beloved by the folks who played shows there and were able to, you know, actually find a place to perform. So like in the industrial space, like over um, on South Park Street, 
it was actually one of them was, you know, right where that fire happened um, earlier this year. That was pretty startling. Their lack of good spaces for people without money. <laughs> I guess say we'll say that. Part of what's got us talking about this is Tone Madison dropped a, a think piece this week written by music editor Stephen Sporrell about these two do-it-yourself venues. Just like with a bunch of musician people quoted talking about what the spaces meant and how the absence is already impacting the scene and, and kind of like a call to action about the need for the spaces as we see you know, big developments coming up across town that are offering these great new shiny spaces. Does Madison have the infrastructure to support something that has been long supported here, which is kind of more blue collar punk metal scene and um, spaces that don't have a high price tag? It feels like you're you're kind of telling a, a tale of two cities, right? Like there's the underground art scene, there's the spaces that people build on their own with whatever means or lack of means that they have to have shows, to make art, to meet with people, to build community. And that's a completely different world than the kind of high-priced shiny developments that are going in all over town for uh, big acts, you know, that are that are powered by money and therefore acts that are bigger commercial successes. They're not maybe going to take the risks on an artist that's less well known. They want to book people that they know can sell tickets. We were getting more of those spaces, but on the other on the other side of town, smaller spaces are shutting down. These DIY spaces, though, part of it is that they are kind of a fun secret. But also, like the flip side of that, though, is that they're inevitably going to be temporary. There are some safety concerns. I just wanted to mention that, of course, if you if it's an unofficial space, you know, um, there those there's certain things like fire fire codes and that sort of thing, and all of those spaces should be safe. So I, I, it's just on my mind this week. Fire codes are real. Fire codes are real. They are. Had a concert space 20 years ago that got shut down by a fire department, not here in Madison, but it was real. And of course, we were mad at the time. We're like, but after the ghost fire, after so many other fires have happened, you know. Yeah. They had a point. Those firefighters don't use velour for your wall paper. Respect to the firefighters, all I'm going to say. Well, hey, I mean, we all love our music here in Madison Live Music forever. And uh, we're asking in our newsletter, Madison Minutes, about what are your favorite venues? Where do you haunt? Where do you love to go listen? We want to know. So we'll throw a link in our show notes where you can tell us. Well, speaking of codes, Wisconsin uh, getting a new area code, the 608 area code in the Madison area. Running out of numbers. I won't hear of it. No, we refuse to accept this news. <laughs> well, the the Public Service Commission of Wisconsin doesn't care. They're not going. They're going to be start rolling out this new three five three area code. Boo! Looks like either early next year or just whenever the last six oh eight number is given out, which. I wish they could tell you what is the first 353 number to be given out and what was the last 608. Maybe I can look into that. If you become the last 608, let us know. We shall celebrate you. (laughs) Okay. You meet someone and they have a 353 area code. Will they be ostracized? I won't recognize them as kin. I kind of like it, though. 
I think like is, you know, and remember it's 1.608 didn't exist. That wasn't one of the original 86 area codes. I'm not an originalist. I'm just a 608ist. <laughs> well, it's only been around since 1955. So I think we got to embrace the 353. I like how Dylan said, remember, remember, I don't remember that. <laughs> there could be a market. Maybe we should all like quick get a bunch of 608 numbers and then sit on them and then we could like sell them to people who want to be cool and want to pretend like they've lived in Madison for a while but they know they can't. <laughs> We're already setting up 353 to fail. Well as someone who's gone down this rabbit hole before where I tried to get a landline with uh, a number of my dear friend slash aunt Linda I tried to get her number her old number because I always really liked it and they were like what the heck are you talking about we don't do that you're allowed to keep your number but you can't give it away or sell it or anything so oh I think I could figure out a way it's called a family plan oh I really tried <laughs> I truly we were, I was specifically talking about a landline number landlines Brogan. <laughs> it's harder than you think. You can't just give your number away. Well, to be you honest, I'm, I'm not totally against 353. It's better. It's better than 608, unfortunately. What? Okay, well, I'm not going to go there, but... <gasps> I hate to say it, but it's just like aesthetically how you dial it. 353, so easy. 608. I mean, I have an attachment to it, but... <laughs> and if if you ever use a rotary phone, 608's a big pain <laughs> in the butt with that O. Oh. If, if I ever, I still have a... <laughs> That zero is a sign that we are not a happening place. What about a party line? Do you still use a party line, Dylan? <laughs> what? Since we're speaking of landlines and rotary phones. <laughs> anyway, maybe I need to practice what I preach and get a 353 just to own it. I think you ought to. Get out of here, Dill. You know, if you want to be mistaken for someone who lives in Gainesville, Florida, go right ahead. 352, that's what it reminds me of. Yes, for those poor souls who get a 353, I will speak for you. How much more do you guys want to know about area codes? I learned a lot. <laughs> Hit us. Okay, I want to know how often this happens because you know, like the Madison area is growing, but it didn't seem like it was growing that much. Like, is this a thing that's also happening across the country where area codes are running out? Yeah, but it actually is because Madison area is growing so much. That's a big part of it. 353 will be the seventh area code in Wisconsin. Can you name the others? I was just like, will we get another member of Congress? That's where I went. <laughs> I don't think AT&T controls that. But I believe that that's based on population. I don't really know where to go from there. Uh, they are both <laughs> geographic and population oriented, but the two are defined differently. There, there's no real rhyme or reason anymore, it seems, to how they assign it. You said that in Florida, they have 352. Well, there's a reason why they assign 353 to Wisconsin, because it's far away from Florida. So they don't like to put area codes that are similar next to each other. I appreciate this, this background. Thank you for the deep dive. Yes, I'm embracing the 353. Go overlay districts. Good luck with that. Molly Stentz, <laughs> thanks for joining us here on the podcast. 608 forever. Bianca Martin, thank you so much. Of course. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by AKL Moman, Natalie Rivera, Molly Stentz, and me, Dylan Brogan. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. And remember, our newsletter, Madison Minutes, wants to know what your favorite live music venue is in town. See our show notes for a link on how to share your picks. 
you enjoyed today's show, why not share this podcast with someone who still has a landline? Tell them we're off the hook. See you back here Monday morning with more news from around the city. Until then. Just know that there will never be a 353 day.